Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge program. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. We're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always good to have you with me. I have a great guest with me. His name is Tremaine Willis. We had some conversations uh, some time ago, uh, a few weeks ago, and picked his brain a little bit and found a great source of wisdom about the importance of fatherhood and the stability of the home and in the stability of children's lives growing up. And so he'll have a lot to share about that. So Tremaine, I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for for all of your time and, and making this effort to be here. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I totally appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. Just true to our tradition, we like to start out with a favorite dad joke. Did you have one that you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Actually, uh, my children gave me one and my wife gave me a cool one that she likes to say all the time for some reason. Uh, my children say, you know, why do uh, fathers like to take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? And I say, well, why do I take an why do I need an extra pair of socks? They say, well, in case you get a hole in one. I said, okay. And for some reason, my wife said, uh, I should do lunges to stay in shape. I should do more lunges. And then I said, well, that would be a big step forward. And I'll give that a rim shot. All right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about why, why do you believe society is ignoring fathers? Um, well, I'm in the real estate and financial institution. And, and so I, I think I want to come from that perspective a little bit more because for for society to to break up the homes and to to set it up to where fathers are not in the you know the the the, the, diam, the, the diametric home with a father mother you know children uh, it's better for business for one just coming from that point of view just coming from a financial point of view uh, it's just it's just better for business it's better for big business it's better for the governments um, and it's you know it's worse for the homes. Uh, however, where, where I believe fathers are uh, ignored and why is because of the way our children are being raised or have been raised to think about relationships. And I think that's what's worse. Uh, so when fathers, and their fathers are young now, they're so much younger than, you know, I didn't have children until I was 40 years old. And fathers are so much young now, and they are raised to not even think about relationships and, and households and, and marriage and stuff. You know, it's all about instant gratification. So it's easier for the women to ignore that whole part of a relationship. And for the fathers that are there, that are trying to be good, whether they're in the house or not, I think they just get bunched into the same group as the ones that, that don't care. So they all kind of get ignored all the same, it seems. That sounds correct to me. I think that you have a very different slant on it that I've never heard before. And that was the economic slant. 
this. So why is it that ignoring fathers, how would that be better for business? Oh, well, because when you're ignoring fathers and you're removing uh, uh, like fathers from the home where it's not a, a family situation where where women are now being uh, also like kind of like 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 men, so to speak, and I don't like to say that, but kind of being like the, the so-called men of the homes, where they're raising the, the the children, and they're more, they'll be more lenient, they'll be more relaxed with raising boys, with raising children, they'll be more apt to, because women are, are more emotional. So when there's problems in the homes, we go to emotion. So you go to emotional shopping, you go to emotional spending. Uh, uh, you're you're more relaxed with. Uh, the values as far as nutrition are concerned. So, you know, a lot of the homes that don't have fathers in the homes, uh, it's, it's about fast paced because women are working, so children get to kind of eat what they want. So they're falling prey to the, the televisions, and the televisions are saying cereal, fast food, uh, make, you know, Mickey D's, and this and that, you know, shoes, get this, get that. And women are more at, without a without a full dynamic of a, of a mother and a father in the house thinking together so you know economically uh putting together uh, managing money together they, they're more apt to just do things that society says hey bye 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 of course we know every month of the year there's there's some holiday that you can go out and buy you know new year's new year's eve uh then, you know march you got mother's day uh you, know, you have Father's Day, you have Halloween, Christmas, it's, you know, New uh, You know, it's just it's just something every month to 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 buy, buy, buy. And women are more emotional, and women spend more emotional, and that just kind of trickles down into the household when when there's not that dynamic there to say, hey, let's let's manage money. And I'm not saying fathers in the house will make it perfect, but if you have a mother and a father in the house, then the, their mentality and their mindset is going to a whole lot different. They're going to be more uh, apt to, to think financially, uh, you know, and be more frugal, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's just one big psychological, it's just one big psychological game. And, and the absence of fathers and men inside the homes is a direct reflection of, of, of that spending, that emotional spending of allowing children to have what they want, when they want, the video games, the you know how expensive all this stuff is, and yeah, it just—it's definitely a correlation. What was life like for you growing up as a kid, and how involved was your dad? Okay, uh, well, speaking—I didn't have a father. Uh, Life—I was extremely poor. I grew up in Georgia, uh, in the north north coast now, but I grew up in Georgia, uh, extremely poor, uh, from a poor family, poor background. And uh, didn't have a father, so didn't really have a uh, involved dad or, or father figure for a long time. I eventually found a father figure, but not for a long time. Uh, so life was pretty rough for me. My mother was uh, an extremely young mother, to say the least. Um, she was barely, barely 13 when she had me. So she was an absolute child herself. Uh, you know, struggling to take care of a child. So, yeah, it was pretty rough moving a lot. Uh, you know, trying to, my mother's trying to maintain any, you know, job she could get as a child because she didn't want to. First of all, she didn't want to abort me like everybody told her to because she was a child. And uh, 
She said, no, I won't do that. I have my child and I just want to you know, do the best I can. So we struggled a lot growing up. Yeah. It was pretty rough. Moved a lot. Yeah. What impact did that have on you as you were growing up into older years with that lack of stability? Uh, I think as a child and not, you know, not kind of seeing my mother, you know, not, not intentionally, not viewing her as my mother, but she was more, I viewed her more as my sister than anything at the time, you know, growing up. Uh, and once I was getting a little bit older, able to get outside and, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, not a whole lot of people around me that I can remember had fathers in the home either. So it was, it was almost as if it was, I didn't miss it because it's almost, it was rare that we had one or two buddies that did have a father in the house. And, and, and so I didn't really miss it, but I knew that it was something I saw the benefits of, of having it, a man in the house because those, those guys were a little bit different in a certain way. You know, they respected a, a, a lot differently. And I think I learned my respect from them because of the respect factors and the things that they learned from their fathers. You know, I guess I was searching for something, but the lack of it, it just made me look for, I guess, maybe look for fathers in the wrong place in the streets. Uh, look for father figures that, that, that you know, weren't um, qualified to be those father, father figures. Uh, and it just made me make some bad decisions growing up. I think that, that, that was the biggest effect that I think it had on me. Yes. So was it, did you have anybody else in your life to step in? as you were headed into trouble to kind of guide you out of that? Um, no, not really. Most of my women, most of the, my family was, for the most part, I know, women dominated. Uh, you know, I had a, I, I kind of stayed off and on with my grandparents. So my grandfather and my grandmother were together in the house, but we lived but when we stayed, when I stayed, and then my sisters came along, we had to stay with them. There were, you know, eight other children in the house, and then it was, it was an impoverished house. And my grandmother and grandfather were both here, hearing impaired. They could neither one could either talk or hear. They were deaf, and um, so their their just understanding of raising us and 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 and. It was just, it was, it was really weird. It was just so many children. They had all their own children there. And, you know, I was there and eventually my sisters and I, you know, back and off and on kind of stayed with them and we were poor. And, and my, I don't know, it, at that point, I, I, I started suffering some uh, uh, physical abuse from my, grand, my grandmother and my granddad never really stopped it. And I was always questioning that, like, you know, why would she, I was older than two of her sons. So I was older than two of my uncles. I was like their uncle. I was like their big brother. And, you know, if anything happened to them, if they got hurt, I got, I got beat. If, you know, if they got beat up or hit in school, I, I got beat by my grandmother. And I just never understood that whole dynamic. My mother kind of explained it to me later on in life, kind of what that was about. But uh, I, I used to wonder why my grand, the man in this house, wouldn't stop that, you know. I'm like, why? Why do you let her beat me with two by fours, hit me with irons, baseball bats, and, and you know, for 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 essentially nothing? 
and and why do we have to stay here? I couldn't understand, you know, why my mother's not here. Why my mother's not? Because she wasn't staying there, but she was trying to work to to get us stable again, you know, to get us back into our own little apartment or something like that. And uh, it was just it was just a lot to happen. It was a lot to happen. So I really didn't have any uh, other men to look up to. The uh, bad decisions. How did you overcome those decisions? Well, the bad, well, the, the bad decisions were that I eventually, and let me clarify what the one of the bad decisions was. Um, eventually, I uh, there were what moved into the neighborhoods were now gangs, bigger, more people, and it was just like, hey, I'm trying to get this education. And, you know, I promised my mother, I had a conversation with my mother, uh, a 15-year-old having a conversation with his mom saying, listen, I, I, I don't want to be one of those guys in prison back and forth in and out. I wanna, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be that. I kind of promised her that, too. And what I saw was, okay, like the gangs, once, once you are a part of it, you, you know, you just can kind of do what you want to do. So I said, I'll say, okay. So... I became affiliated because my cousins, they were from California and they had came here back and forth. And, and it's just, uh, the decision was my cousin say, I tell you what, man, you just run this portion of the gang here. As a, I'm a 15 year old and most of these guys were grown. These were grown men for the most part. And uh, 18, 19, 20, 25. And you can, you know, continue doing what you do, go to school, do this, uh, just make sure this is cool here. And I, I, I don't know why I thought that was a, a great, uh, you know, I thought at the time that was a great decision. I can still go to school, I can graduate, and I can be left alone, not worry about having to get, you know, hurt, my family being hurt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, because at this point, people started shooting up people's houses and hurting family members. So that's what I didn't bring home. And so I thought that was a good decision. And how it turned out not to be a good decision because um, one day as we were, just out, you know, doing our thing. A few of us were out just walking. I don't know, maybe going home late in the evening. Uh, it's, uh, an incident arose where it was a vehicle involved. And like a guy almost tried to hit me in the van. And, and uh, you know, some words exchanged. With one of the guys that me said, hey, I know the guy in the van. You know, I know him and I know you. We cool. Just go ahead. This guy was a much older guy. He was a grown man. You know, I was, I had just turned 17 at the time. Just turned 17. And um, so we, we parted ways. Long story short, the guy came back, jumped out of his vehicle. He attacked me with a weapon. I disarmed him, and I, you know, I hit him a few times. Uh, what he what, what he attacked me with, he went to the ground. A couple of guys with me, you know, did some things. You know, jumped on him, hit him, whatever the case may be. And um, the guy, and we left. And one of the actually one of the guys was about to get into his vehicle to bag it up over him, and I said I stopped. I grabbed him. I'm like, yeah, no, no, we we are not gonna do that. You know, he's on, he's down, he's cool. Let's go. And so we we left. Um, and uh, about two or three days later, uh, apparently he went to the hospital. Uh, the guy, and apparently uh, his he was brain dead. Uh, from the you know from the hitting from the kicking from the stomping from the bricks they know different people doing different things and uh, he was brain dead and uh, his family pulled the plug and so he he died 
And about three days later, three or four days later, uh, you know, hey, here they come. They came to my house. Uh, I wasn't there at the time, you know, but once we found out what was going on, what happened, you know, um, uh, you know, we talked to the family and they said the best thing to do is to, uh, you know, go turn yourself in, you're juvenile, you know, tell them what happened, you self-defense, you defended yourself, you, once you disarmed him and you hit him, you dropped the thing, you still, you know, they said just tell the truth. And, and, and But I was the only juvenile of all the guys there, everybody else that they caught in, was in the county jail. They were grown men, and um, so I was in juvenile, and uh, and and basically, they I guess they came up with the brilliant uh, plan to say, well, since I'm the only juvenile, let's just say that he did everything because he's a juvenile and he won't, you know, he won't get adult time or he won't get prison time, and so they all did it except. They, they blamed it on me and one of the other adults. They, they flipped on him as well. They kind of said he did this, he did that. And so, uh, long story short, with that, we went to court and uh, it was a jury trial and the, the charge was aggravated murder. Uh, and the judge gave the jury the option to just, no, no option. Just, you know, if we get found guilty, we do a life. And because uh, I got bound over. I mean, skip that part. But I got bound over. They had they held a hearing in juvenile court. And they bound me over, and they so now I'm in the county jail. With the adults, and uh, so we were in the court. Found, uh, we had had our hearing for a couple of weeks, jury trial. Um, right before the jury was to be dismissed to uh, deliberate, they only had one thing: either guilty or not guilty. And if it's guilty, we're going to, we're going to prison for life. And the jury, one lady stood up and said, well, we've heard everything, we've heard everybody's side, and we will say we need an option because we've heard everything. We heard this young man's side, and he did, we believe he did what he said he did. He, he defended himself, he dropped the thing, blah, 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 blah. So they gave, the judge gave the jury an option. He's a life, uh, murder, or a voluntary manslaughter with a different sentence from 10 to 25. So they came back and they said not guilty for the murder because it just wasn't that. It wasn't like they said we felt we weren't out just looking to hurt somebody, you know. And uh, and, and so long, I did get found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and I received a sentence of 10 to 25 years in prison at 17 years old and got shipped straight to prison. So that that's what I mean by those bad decisions that I made. That's what they led up to. I hope you're enjoying the program and getting value out of it. It's a labor of love and faith supported by listeners like you. Please consider donating by visiting thefatherhoodchallenge.com and clicking in the upper right corner and clicking on donate. Another way you can support this program is by sharing it with anyone who would appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Was there anybody imprisoned? that took up the role of a father figure for you or a mentor that and helped you grow up? Yes. I mean, I am so glad you asked that question because this is a very pivotal part. He, yes. Very pivotal part of my life. Uh, 
went there young, you know, actually I went to the first prison I went to was just like a, a warrior's camp. You know, it was for all young people and juvenile. So I wanted to finish and get my GED. I was focused. I said, well, I'm here now. That doesn't mean I have to become, you know, I don't have to become this environment. I can, I can, I, I can be who I need to be or who I am. I can get back to my essence. So I wanted to finish my GED. Just couldn't hear because it's fighting all the time. A bunch of young people. So anyway, put in for a transfer and I got transferred to uh, more laid back of where there were older people. People had been, some of those people had been uh, lifer. I mean, on death row that got off death row. That's so, that's, you know, that's how some people had been there for 20 and 30 years already. So I was there and, uh, you know, got my GED. I started going to college. Uh, I was teaching sign language, just doing anything to stay constructive, you know, to keep my mind engaged, reading books, getting Ebony Essence, Jet magazines, reading, you know, just reading, reading books, just reading. And uh, met Wayne Farrell. Mr. Wayne Farrell, who is still in today, I think he's probably maybe on his 50th year right now. He's still in, in yeah. And uh, he just awesome. Like he had a couple nephews that were blood nephews there, but he was, man, the dude was just so, just like a father that, like everybody that wanted to, to learn something, he made you read. He, he, he taught, he was a coach for sports. And he didn't just coach, man. He would do like Phil Jackson type stuff, write little notes, and just send them to you, your cell and say, read this, read this book. Uh, you know, you can't play, you can't practice if you don't know this quote for the day. You know, it's like a self-help quote, self-productive quote. And he and just, you know, what do you want to learn next? He just stayed on, he stayed on everybody that wanted to do something. And and like to this day, I still write him. I send him some money when I can. And and just, he was pivotal. He said, get out, man. You can, you don't have to worry about what's going on with black relationships and husband and wife. You learn right now how to be the best father and husband. You can right now. He said, don't wait to get out to learn it because you will get out one day. He said, so don't wait to get out. Learn it now. Read now. Be who you are going to be in the future. You have to be that person right now. You can't be somebody here and then expect to change when you get out. You have to be that person inside the belly of the beast. That's the only way to be true to yourself when you get out. And uh, and, and then just for, for, I think I did, I was there for 11 years or so at that particular institution. I ended up doing about almost 13 years total in prison. So I went in at, I just turned 17. I got out when I was 30, maybe 31. So my whole childhood was was there. All you know, my teenage years, my twenties, I grew up there, and I'm fortunate to have met and been, you know, just under the wing of a man like that. Uh, Tony Wayne Farrell, never forget him. Totally appreciate him. Love him actually. When you were out, was it hard to start over and be and be that good husband and father that that your mentor had encouraged you to be? Yes, because everything was so much different. Of course, you know, you went from tapes to, you know, CDs. Everything was totally different at that point. And it was like the, the cell phones and everything. You know, you know, we had the big old brick phones when I went in, just coming out. Now it's cell phones, flip phone. Yes, because then old people that I knew from before, from the past, you know, hey, what, you know, it's the, the same old, same old. They just wanted to be the same way. You know, get you some clothes here. Do you want some, you want some drugs to get on your feet? No, I want a job. Can you give me that? You know, no, I don't want, here go some girls. No, I don't want that. 
what advice or wisdom or challenge do you have for fathers today after hearing your story? Uh, and I know typically you would, you would think that, I guess most men would say uh, something towards their children, right? But I want to say to the fathers, too, because this is where I think we're going wrong in our decision making, even as adults, as adult fathers, as adult males, we have to back away from accepting what's, what a societal norm is. We have to back away uh, from uh, just accepting the perception of, of what society says a bad father is and what a father's not doing. And we just accept that and then start reacting that way to our to mother, their children, or wives or ex-wives. I say be stronger in your decision making. Be stronger in what you want and be stronger in who you are and what you want to do and stand firm to that and follow through because what you want to teach your children, we say it all the time, uh, children do what they see, not, not what you say. If you want to teach your children what a strong man or father is, even if you're not in the home, that's what I tell like a lot of guys that I know, even if you're not in the home with your children, what you do is what they're going to learn. So just be stronger, be more steadfast, be more firm in what you actually want to teach them because you actually have to do that's that's what I that's what I would give to fathers. That's the words I would give them. Stand by that. That's a lot of that's some great wisdom, Tremaine. And I appreciate so much that you took the time to be here and share this with me, to share this with with our audience. So thank you so much for coming Thanks on the so show. If you enjoyed the episode and receive value from it, there are three ways you can support the program. You can donate by visiting thefatherhoodchallenge.com and clicking in the upper right corner and clicking on donate. Thefatherhoodchallenge.com also has a store where you can find great gift ideas for others or yourself while helping to spread the word about this movement. Word of mouth and sharing through social media also helps make others aware of this program. Any way you're able to support the Fatherhood Challenge is appreciated. Thank you for listening.